When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, this is comedian and depressed alcoholic James Nokise, and you're listening to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, a podcast about headspace and happiness. From my safe place, the shower with fried chicken. This episode, I'm talking to broadcaster, author, and Fijian minister's son, Wallace Chapman. We'll talk about dealing with chicken leftovers. Cold as gold. Cold as gold. Cold as gold. Dealing with your Pacific family. After my dad died, one of my uncles saying, you've got to, always got to remember, us coconuts got to stick together. <laughs> <laughs> and dealing with terrible news. I've always latched onto humour mm. as a way to cope. Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects. So make sure you're in a safe space with your comfort food. And join us. Eating fried chicken in the shower. Bulla Vanaka, my brother. Hey, Bulla. Here we are. It's um, good to be here, James. It's good to be here. It's lovely to have you. And of course, I say, I say Bulla uh, because you are my Fijian brother. Uh, How about that? Yeah. That's a, yeah. And, and I don't think a lot of people... Uh, no, well, no. it's not something you advertise. Well, I advertise necessarily. It's you know, it's it's a it's a personal thing, isn't it? It's a family mm. thing. But yeah, uh, yeah. no, that's right. I mean, um, my background is, you know, I come from a mixed family. Mum mm. Parker and uh, dad, uh, dad Wallace Senior. Mm-hmm. He's from a uh, little village called Vangadavi, which is on the island of uh, Lavuka. Yeah. It's really funny though. Eh? Every every second person who comes up to me in summer and goes, hey. You're looking very tanned. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that, uh, but we do, right? Mixed race kids. I tan very, very fucking well. I can tell you that. Yeah. Very, very well. I remember seeing a photo of you, and uh, you, you tanned up. You're on holiday uh, with the family. It was off-season, so you had your beard coming in, <laughs> and the curl was coming out, and I went, there he is. There's my bull of a knuckle brother. That's right. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. So back, back when I was at a 17 in Nelson College, my, in fact, my nickname was Fro. Your name was hey, Fro. Hey, Fro. You know, Fro, is well, he... Well, because I, well, a couple of reasons. Because I, I did have an afro, uh, and it was a big one. You know, I mean, my hair moved in a different walking to me. You know, I moved once, one step, and my hair moved too. Um, Were you also the only Fijian in Nelson? Well, there, uh, there wasn't a particularly um, uh, a multicultural space Nelson back at the time. I can always recall because I'm from. Um, Dad was a Methodist minister, and mm. he was a minister for uh, Monroe Methodist. Right. So that so I'm from I'm from Monroe. That's where I right. was born. That's why I grew up. Right. And See, um, that's that's legit. <laughs> that's legit Pacific. <laughs> Methodist minister of Monroe. <laughs> it's actually very true, isn't that's it? Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Talking about it, I mean, the memories just flood back. I mean, they were James. They were they were very special times for me. I mean, they are rich. Rich memories, and so you know the memories are of going to hear Dad preach in Monroe Methodist, very, very much mm. uh, a, a Pacifica congregation. Yeah. So I grew up. I, I grew up very ensconced, not just with 
dad's family mm. but also to you know the sort of uh the, the cook island the Samoan congregation mm. the tongan and, and and dad had this big thing where um which is actually quite unusual uh where he said um we're not going to separate out the races to have their own service mm. you know as you might have now you might have the the, the english-speaking uh service at nine and yeah. you have the tongan <laughs> service at 10 and then we'll the cook island service at 11 and the samoans goes we're all one yeah. we're, we're, we're all one carpi come on board mm. and so i mean for me as an eight-year-old i mean my, i always call them my second family mm. my second because i was a big fan to and still am to this day of not just Fiji food, but island food. Yeah. And every Sunday I would say to Dad, Dad, can I please go to the Yusefis for lunch? I've invited me. And he goes, oh, not this time. You were the last week. Yeah. Dad, please, please. Because yeah. I love Samoan food, you yeah. know. And you're so, a minister's son, so you know you're getting fed. I was, boy, was I fed. So that the Yusefis yeah. would put on a spread. So go down Waymouth Road and yeah. right at the end there and... Uh, and before me laid out every Sunday would be the bloody green bananas and the taro and the Ooh. chop suey and the corned beef and, and the octopus uh, <laughs> and the chicken and, and you know, uh, and the, and the, uh, and the polisami. I mean, oh, oh God, polisami, mate. all this, all this island, uh, it's just, that, that's when I become an islander. Yeah, right. When, when, I, talk, when I talk about the food. Well, we better get the food open then because... And the KFC. Well, the KFC... See, this is the thing, Wallace Chapman, is that you, of course it had to be you, yeah. have chosen the most Pacific because we have had KFC before. We have never had cold KFC the morning after, which is the most island food anyone's ever bought into the shower. Cold as gold. Cold as gold. Cold as gold. It's a real deal. Because this is LA, and I, I know some of you are listening. This is a treat, by the way. This is, this is pretty cool. This I haven't a, had cold KFC since I was like 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't think I've had it for quite some time. Is the memories coming back, Chapman? Or the oh, nostalgia? Mm. They really are, eh? <laughs> but this is what we grew up with. I grew up in the same Samoan minister household. My father had a very similar attitude, multicultural church. Mm. So yeah, yeah, morning right. service. Your father's a minister. Yep, Samoan minister. Bloody hell! There we go. Man. This is a weird sort of. But down in Petoni, down in Petoni. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. When it comes to KFC, and why I chose KFC was because it was a little bit of a treat. Mm. Wasn't often eaten because it was seen as a treat. Mm. But when you had a treat, it was often a bucket of KFC. But what was better than KFC on the night? KFC for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you yeah. wake up, you're like, oh, what am I going to eat? You have, open a, the fridge. you have a sleepover at Nana's. Yeah. Nana Chapman. Uh, yes, it was the. <laughs> it was KFC in the morning. Mm. You know, I mean, my Nana, my Nana was black with an afro. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, to, to all intents and purposes, she was that matriarch. That she was that Fedrian matriarch. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary person, you know. Mm. The whole family gathered round her. Mm. Um, uh, they were strongly and proudly Fijian people. Mm. Um, Dad really wasn't like that. His his icons were. Um, here's an example, right? So, <clears throat> in about the 70s, he said to his congregation, "This is Monroe Methodist." Mm. He goes, "We, you all need to know. You're from you're from the Cook Islands. You're from Samoa. You're from Fiji. Mm. But we need to know about the Maori world. Mm. We don't need to know about multiculturalism." We mm. need to know about something more important than that. And they said, what's that? Because biculturalism. Wow. 
because because the treaty and the relationship between Pākehā and Māori is one of the more important things facing uh, facing New Zealand. Mm. So you know what he did? Well. This is Maori Methodist. He got a young lecturer to come out. She'd written a book called Hui. I think it was mm-hmm. called Hui. Mm-hmm. And that person was Damien Salmond. Really? Dad got her to come out to Monterey Methodist mm. to have a little chat about the Maori Pakia relationship and why that's important for us as Pacific Islanders to know about. You look like a Pacific minister there, holding the chicken, <laughs> righteously telling off the congregation. That that sparked a childhood memory of mine. No, this is Sunday lunch. This is Sunday lunch. <laughs> Do you think of yourself as Fijian? With all that, um, with the way your father talked about as being a New Zealander. No, no, no. Identity is something I've long thought about. Mm. Um, and I do not see myself uh, as <clears throat> as feeling this. So, for example, when I put down uh, uh, on a passport, I'll often go um, European New Zealander. You know, European New um, Zealand. So it's about I put New well, Zealand. It's, well, it's fraught. It's a it's a fraught one. You know, I've mm. kind of recently more thought more about it. You know, in terms of uh, as people sort of start reclaiming their, their identity, rightfully mm. so. Mm. Um, but I don't know, James. You know, it's. I mean, look at me, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and even though I have a, um, you know, very ensconced in a Pacific upbringing, which I'm very, very proud of, and I have an, a, an understanding and a feeling of the of, mm. of of where dad and family comes from, and I know that this is an issue of great topicality right now, and that is of mm. race and racism. Mm. Um, but I can, I can, I can, I can recall some of the some of the small inklings of of. of Subtle and not so subtle racism Dad mm. used to have, mm. you know, and thinking, Fuck. you know, he said to deal with that, but I haven't had to deal with anything. Mm. I, I've, to all intents and purposes, I've breezed through life, yeah. not, not, not having been told, not having been called boy, mm. you know, like he used to be called. Yeah. You know, so uh, he, he often, mum said to me, he often, he often used to get called boy a lot. Hey, boy, until dad one day snapped. Uh, uh, this is a, this, these, these are employers. Right. Uh, saying, if you say that to me one more time, mm. um, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm sick of you calling me boy. Just stuff like that, James, you know? Yeah. We go to a person's house, and this mm. is in St. Helier's Bay, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and here I am, I'm with Dad, <laughs> and... <laughs> And, and and this 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 she's pretty she this parky lady she's a nice lady she's a nice person mm-hmm. she leans down and goes you know young Wallace your father is such a good class of islander <laughs> he's such a good class of uh... islander and 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 I look up at dad and dad looks down at me and winks <laughs> and I I wonder what was going through his mind and we were laughing on the way home and mm. and. And uh, and Dad says, "Hey, behave there. Remember, I'm a very good class of Islander." <laughs> well, these constant put downs. Now, I haven't had to deal with any of that mm. at all. So, I, I, I that's why I put myself in the Pakeha camp. Mm. And even though, when I'm around my Fijian side of my family, mm. I'm to all intents and purposes, it's quite extraordinary. Mm. They see me as Fijian, right? Not as a New Zealander or a Pakeha. Yeah. It's amazing. I can remember. I can remember when uh, after my dad died, mm. um, and one of my uncles saying, "You know, Wallace, it's uh, this is these are these are hard times for us. You got always got to remember, us coconuts got to stick together. <laughs> us coconuts got to be 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 staunch." And I going, "Okay, 
Okay, uncle. Had um, you had you ever thought of yourself as a coconut? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I hadn't, you know. Were you more uh, like a pistachio? <laughs> Very, very pistachio, you know, very, very, maybe an almond, you know, maybe an almond, not a coconut. Um, it was, but it was a very interesting, it was very interesting. I, I, I thought long and hard about it, and I've always remembered that. Us coconuts got to stick together. Fucking hell. Eating fried chicken in the shower for safety reasons, refrigerated fried chicken should only keep for half a day. When you talk about challenges... I went through a particular and very unique and a fundamental challenge to me. In my early teens, I was in a lot of pain, a lot of physical pain. Mm-hmm. And to manage that pain, often drugs wouldn't be enough. You know, you'd mm-hmm. have to sort of think about, okay, how do you get through the day? Because I was on a walking stick. How do you how do you manifest? How do you just get through from the morning to the evening without too much phys- physical pain? And being able to slow the day down, being able to think about your uh, your context and your situation. Mm kind of help me get through it. Uh, I mean, another word for it is, is mindfulness, which right. is very, very much a sort of a, quite a cliched or very overly used word now. Mm. But back then, not a lot of people knew about it, you know? Right. But what happened was, I was a long distance runner, right? Mm-hmm. And running about sort of 112, 115Ks a week. I mean, it was my, man, when, when you talk about sort of um, meditation, the meditation for me, was being on the road and hearing the pum, 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 pum. It's a real thing amongst long distance runners, yeah. you know? But over time, over six months, something, something weird happens. I'm starting to sort of run and getting sore, my left leg's getting sore. And over the next six months, it gets sore and sore and sore until I'm not running uh, my 15Ks a day, whatever it is. Mm. I'm like running seven and then down to three and then down to Oh my God! I can't even run to the end of the road, but I'm st- but I'm still walking at this stage. So I'm okay. still I'm still walking to Varsity. Yeah. So I thought, fuck. So I stopped running. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still walking to Varsity. So I'm still walking. I go to the uh, the GP, go physio. Mm. So I go, I get I get the physio, and they goes, yes, you've got the certain hip capsulitis. All runners get that. Mm. So I go on physio. The physio makes it worse. I'm in this terrible pain, James. And then all of a sudden, something happens. I could hardly walk to varsity. And I'm going, my God, I can't walk to university, which is about a 2K walk. Mm. So by this time, I'm getting quite sick. I go and have another um, checkup to the doctor, uh, get my bloods taken. And then after about a year of this, I get a phone call uh, by a, my GP. And he says, well, actually, Dr. Charles Newhooker, who's a hematologist. And, um, and he goes, could you just come and see me at the hospital? And um, and he goes, sure, absolutely. Uh, I'll make a time with your uh, receptionist for next week. He goes, no, could you come today? Mm. He goes, today? What, you mean now? He goes, yeah, come now if possible. And he sits me down. He goes, right, you've got certain things going wrong with you? You've got, you're a skinny guy, but you've got a massive belly? He goes, yeah, mm. my belly's huge. Yeah, you've got a huge spleen. It should be the size of a small fist. Mm. It's the size of a two-liter bottle of milk. Oh, wow. He goes, you're bruising a lot? He goes, yeah. And, and you've got a bad hip. Yeah. He goes, you, sir, have got a very rare disease. Uh, and he goes, so from now you go to the, the blood specialist, you go and see the bone specialist. And the bone specialist, uh, what was his name? Professor A.K. Jeffries, this esteemed teaching professor. Mm. And he clicks up the scan. He goes, look at your hip. 
Mm. It's almost worn away. And goes, you've got this very rare disease that only 20 people have in New Zealand. I go, what's it called? And he goes, it's called Gaucher's disease, which is G-A-U-C-H-E-R-S. Gaucher's. Yeah, he goes, what is it? He goes, well, it's a blood disease, but long story short, you've got these particular lipids in your body mm. that for most people can be made soluble, but for some reason you can't get rid of them. Where do they get stored? In your organs. What are your organs? Your spleen, your lungs. Mm. For some people, your brain. You can get brain damage. Right. Uh, and your bones. And they've been stored on your hips, and it's, your bra- and it's breaking your hip. And I go, oh, my God. He goes, that's right. That's right. And he sits down. And he goes, Gaucher's disease. Very rare. And I go, what happens now? And he goes, well, you'll go and see the nurse and she'll give you a walking stick. And I was on a walking stick for 10 years. All from my 20s. Wait, that was it? That was all they did? That was it. And I went to the chapel uh, and I can remember I was all alone, Dunedin, mm. student, dad died. Mm. Uh, and I w- went to that chapel and I cried. I cried for for the whole afternoon, just sitting in that chapel, just just by myself, with my new with my <laughs> with this fucking walking stick, just just going. Check this out. Yeah, I've got a walk stick. Yeah, it was it was an epiphany, James. It was quite something. Yeah, it was quite something. I had a disease. I walked in healthy. I came out sick. And it was, the, it was the start of a very, very long journey. Um, how, how old are you when this happens? I was, I was when that happens, I'm in my early 20s. Early 20s. 23. 23. So your dad's just died. But dad died very recently, about a year before. So your dad's died within a year. And then you, your, your running decreases. Mm. And then you get this disease. Yeah. And now you're in the church crying. Yes. It's a very lonely time. It's Tough. Very, that's very... That's, that's, that was my bottom. That was my rock bottom. Or one, one of my rock bottoms. Because that's, that's a, a very large amount of life-changing trauma mm. uh, all, at, all at once there. I was very lonely. Very, did, very lonely. Did you have, like, were, were you sociable back then? Did you have friends? I, I was a bit of a loner. I mean, I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't uh, uh, anti-social by any means. Mm. Um, but when my hip started getting bad, I couldn't go out. Right. You know, I couldn't get out. What, so what happened? I had this disease. I stopped my varsity and I went on the dole. I went on the dole. I was on the dole. Yeah. I was on the disability for about three years. So Two years, three years. So let me ask you, Wallace Chapman. Um, I know you don't get nervous. Do you get bitter? No, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't get bitter. There was no, no bitterness in that time. There was no, there was no bitterness. There was no bitterness. There was no sort of, why me? Yeah. You know, it was a. It's a funny thing looking back. I can't. I, I can't. And people watching this, mm. people have their own ways of confronting deep crises in their times. But I never, I, I never really went too inward. I never, you know, I just, I just never did. What I did do is I powered down my life. Because I couldn't see any way out, so I, I was in a lot of pain then. So I couldn't focus on my studies, 
And so my life over those three years consisted of, you know, waking up, walking stick, uh, turning on national radio, actually. It was a bit of a friend during that time, or Radio 1. Hmm. Opening the paper, eating toast, midday comes, what's on TV? Yeah. Um, I couldn't afford a taxi because the disability allowance would only allow you for a kind of a one taxi, so I'd go out for a coffee a week. I right. mean, seriously, my, my life was... Um, so you're landlocked. I was, I was very, very landlocked. I could find no way out. And I suppose what I'm getting to in this is that why did I never go inward? Why did I... There, there, was, there was something protecting me. Mm. Uh, there was something. There was some shadow protecting me in terms of sort of how I managed in terms of anxiety or depression. I mean, I can recall sometimes there are moments in physical pain or or manifestations of pain where you get these glitters of gold that you just have to laugh mm. and the the part of life, the part of the fabric of life. And one of them was so I come out of hospital, mm. and here I am. <laughs> part of it's humour, having mm. that fucking sense of humour, and mm. I can remember just just going. Holy hell, here I am at 23. I'm at home in this $25 a week dank Dunedin flat waiting for my meals on wheels. How about this? Any minute now, the Venus schnitzel will be coming through the door. <laughs> Venus schnitzel, no less. <laughs> and, um, and, and so here I am. I'm in my walking frame. I've got my frame. Mm. Uh, the, the meals on wheels man arrives. But what made it extra fun is my landlord, Val, Val Drew, he was 85, well, he had meals on wheels. So he'd go, he'd go, Wallace! <laughs> he'd go, uh, hear him down the hall. Doom, doom, doom. He was a big brass band fan. Doom, 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 boom, boom, boom. Wallace! He goes, Val, you didn't knock. <laughs> it's my house, what do I need to knock? I said, you do. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the tenant. He goes, whatever, what are you having? <laughs> and I goes, well, I haven't checked. He goes, open it. He goes, it's a Venus schnitzel again. Oh, fuck the Venus schnitzel. Why was a Venus schnitzel? Goes, What's for pudding? No, um, apple crumble. Very good. <laughs> and he, goes, he goes, hey, why don't we have our meals on wheels together? <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that sitcom. I would watch seriously, that sitcom. Seriously, seriously. There were some of the gold moments of my life. Val at the age of 85 and Wallace Chapman having their meals and wheels together for four weeks. It's a great show. It's um, a show. That's a podcast. That's, that's a, a podcast. podcast. Eating fried chicken in the shower. It's old school meals on wheels. You're 24. You're living with an 84 year old? 85 year old. 61 years older than you. Well, he's my neighbour, but he's my landlord. Neighbour landlord. Classic New Zealand tenant situation. Yes. He's got a frame and meals and wheels as well. Mm. And now you're, you were listening to national radio, mm. and now you're on the faces of national radio. How how I, do we I end kick, up here? I kick, I kick myself. I kick myself because. And you walked in the door. We didn't carry you. No, it's very true. It's very true. Leave that in. Leave that in. <laughs> and that, that is where I kick myself because sometimes when I when I, I don't often think back, but when I think about these sort of conversations, and I go, Jesus. Christ. Man, where I was, when you talk about a dark place, I suppose that was the darkest. There was a small peephole of light, but it was very small. Mm. I mean, my, my life had um, literally whittled down. I was in pain by then, and I was on a walking stick full time. I mean, 11 steps. Now I'm a bit better. I can, all my Dunedin friends, when they see me, mm. but the first thing they go is, Wallace, where's your stick? You know? I mean, I still have these issues. But it wasn't as exacerbated as back then, put it that way. 
But friends, mm. the magic of friendship comes through, comes to play. Mm. And how I got into media was my flatmate at the time, a guy called Richard, Richard Wayne. He said to me, um, you've got to do something with your life. <laughs> I said, like what? He goes, well, you just got to do something. You're better than this. Mm. You're actually, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, said, I said, I don't know, eat KFC, read the paper, you know. And he said, what about this? I work for a local radio station, Radio 1, mm-hmm. shooting station. Mm-hmm. I'm an ad writer. Why don't you write this client an ad? Because I'm, I'm too tired tonight. Why don't you just have a go overnight? Write this little sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, I go, oh, oh, okay. So I've got nothing to do. Get out the pen, get out the paper, mm. and write down a particular scenario for this cafe in Moray Place in Dunedin. He comes back to me the next day. He goes, hey, Wallace, the client liked the ad. I said, really? He goes, they liked it quite a lot. Can I ask you a favor? Could you make me another one of those ads? He goes, sure. I'll write a second ad. He goes, dude, they really liked it. A month rolls by and he goes, hey, well, I've got an idea. There's a part-time job going off radio, radio one. Would it be interested? I said, I haven't a clue mm. about radio. Mm. I've got it now next to nothing about the media. Mm. He goes, it's not the right job for me, but thank you. He said, have a go. Mm. I think you could be good. I go to the interview, hobble up there. Mm-hmm. James, I get the job. Amazing. I get the job. And what happened was getting the job was only one half of the story. What happened for the first time in many, many years is I got confidence. Because I didn't realize until I got that job was that over the last four years, I had completely lost confidence in myself. Mm. I, had, I had zero confidence, mm. which is it's a very interesting phenomenon. Sometimes when... When I found that I was on the doll, my personality, my who I found I was, mm. whittled down to just that little peephole of light. Mm. I didn't feel worthy of being able to do anything. Mm. And just having that job to go to, getting up with a purpose and doing this position at Radio 1, mm. I, just, I just blossomed, James. Mm. I, I loved it. And I ended up being five years Radio 1. I was the creative director there, so I was a writer. Yeah. Yeah, right. um, and that was my first sort of foray into... Into Australia was ad writing, mm. and then five years later, uh, I get this call because I work so hard. I get a call from Radio BFM in Auckland. Mm. I said, "Hey, we've heard about your ads. Would you be interested in coming to Auckland mm. to apply for a job as the creative director of ninety five BFM?" I thought, "You, oh my, you got you kidding, right? It's one of the great radio stations for mm. me. It was, you know, there still, still is. Yeah. Holy shit, I got the role. Mm. So in two thousand and one, after years away from Auckland, the place that I grew up in, Manorewa. I can remember another another picture comes to mind, another another postcard picture comes to mind in my head right now, and it was a big thing for me, flying and landing at Auckland Airport for the first time. Because recall, being on a walking stick, I hadn't flown, I hadn't travelled out of the city for about 12 years. So, Wallace, you don't have a walking stick now. What level are you at? Are you, I do you... have it still. It's beside my office up at RNZ. Oh, right. But I don't use it how I used to. I used to have to use it wherever I went, but not now. Why I don't have it now? Well, what happened was the journey then began. And by this time, I was too ill, you know. I mean, I was... Well, actually, I'll take you back a little bit because I've told you about the prognoses and the, mm. the specialists I went to. Mm. Specialists brought me back in. I said, look, Wallace, this disease that you got, this rare disorder, 29 people in New Zealand that have it. There is a remedy. There is a cure. Well, it's not a cure, but it keeps it at bay. It's a very successful drug. I said, thank God. Bring it on. He goes, mm. yes, there's a problem. He goes, what is it? He goes, it's the world's most expensive drug. I goes, well, how much is it? 
Is it a grand a month? Mm. Is it is it is it is it two grand? Can we sort of somehow start the ball rolling? And goes, it's a million dollars a year. A million a year in the nineties. Holy shit! One million a year. I said, I don't have the money. Of course. And then what happened was time rolled along, but a major study came out of Holland mm. by one Dr. Carla Holak, which said. If you take a tenth of this dose, mm. it's just as efficacious as the full dose. Okay. And and suddenly there was a window, there was an inkling. My God, it could be feasible. By this time I was really ill, and I had no, I was I was um, not in the mood to sort of lobby for any drug. I thought this is my life now. I was I was actually looked to be honest with you, I was starting to look for wheelchairs. Wow. Hmm. I was looking for. Uh, I'd made peace with my head. Yeah. And. I'm going to be honest with you, even if it came to that, that's, that's what happens, you know? Yeah. But mum, mum, bless her heart, she started lobbying to get this drug into the country. Of course. And again, it was a very, I can always remember another picture in my mind, is me sitting on the edge of bed in, in a motel, mum, recently widowed at the age of 47, mm. with these packets of medical literature. Yeah. Going around the country, busting around the country, flying where she had to going to the likes of Jenny Shipley and I think it was Timaru and saying, my son needs this drug, as do the others. Mm. It's, it's, it's good it's, mumming. It's, it's, it's very good mumming. It's, it's good very mumming. good mumming. Yeah. And she really, as a person who knew nothing about medicine, yeah. she stepped up to the most extraordinary degree. In fact, so much so that only recently, just last year, she, she was presented with an award yeah. Yeah, of a person who was able to you know, cross those boundaries, you know, as a, as a housewife, you yeah. know, as a health manager, and sort of now all of a sudden sort of a, a major advocate uh, as, as she came to be, you know. Yeah. But anyway, to cut a long story short, after many years, the facts came through. Ceridase has been funded for New Zealand patients for Gautier's disease. Wow. So it was the, Pharmac uh, had approved this particular drug for our particular rare disorder. Hmm. Now, it is the sole reason I'm talking to you now, and I probably have a role in a career, hmm. is because I was able to get access to a drug that enabled me to, to do this. How long did your mum campaign? It was for some years, and it was pretty hard. I mean, the issue got to Parliament, because, of course, this is the sort of high cost. Mm. I mean, that's a very, very topical issue in the, in the news right now, and I, and I really feel for others today who, who don't get access to medications. But this one was approved. Mm. Uh, it was approved 15 years ago, and that's what I have been on. Mm. Um, so every month or so I go up to the hospital and I get, a, uh, get an infusion of this particular, particular drug. Mm. And that enables me, James, to sort of, uh, you know, get on with my life and have a uh, otherwise a fairly ordinary life. Right. It's basically why I'm still working. Right. Yeah. So, Mum, I'm saving you that last piece. <laughs> I'm saving you the last half piece for you, Mum. So, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. I mean it. Actually, they're all bones now, so... Uh... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Eating fried chicken in the shower. Share the chicken with your mum, not the shower. I want to go back, Wallace, just quickly to that incredibly dark moment uh, with this little series of very heavy traumas. And you're talking about a shower that can protect you from anxiety, uh, from depression. Have you, over the years, reflected on what that shell is or where it comes from? I have, because people ask me. 
Mm. Yeah, I've been asked quite a bit about it because even recently a colleague said, yeah, you're limping around a bit, you have a bit of pain, but you don't seem to sort of uh, let it affect you like it can with others. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really honest with you uh, and, and just say I don't have an answer for you. You know, I, I'd love to sort of be able to put that in a bottle and share it um, <laughs> because it, cause it is something that I have been asked about quite a bit in terms of, in terms of a coping mechanism when you, be it... Yeah, look, be it physical pain or mm. be it, be it, be it um, just a tough time, be it depression. Or having said that, w- what I've gone through um, isn't, isn't clinical depression. I'm going to say that right now, mm. you know. Mm. But I, 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 and I can only imagine having that. Mm. But in terms of coping mechanism, I, I tried to find what it is. One thing I think is I've always latched onto humour mm. as a way to cope, you know. Um, like, for example... Um, when I had my operation and I had Meals on Wheels at the age of 24, mm. I couldn't help but seeing that as some sort of fucking sitcom that I'm living through, you yeah. know? Yeah. I couldn't help seeing the darkly comic side mm. of it, you know? And so that sort of latching on to a dark side of humour has really, really helped me cope, you know what, mm. you know what I'm saying? Mm. Hey, now can I ask, minister's son to minister's son, you're in your dark <coughs> moment back in Dunedin when you're 24, and I, I noticed you said you went into the church. Yeah, like was that a safe space for you? Was that was that tapping into? Yeah, isn't that funny? Because are, are you are you a man of faith? Have you still got I, I, more I'd, I'd, I'd have to say no, no. Yeah. I mean, I um, it's a really, I never, it's a really good uh, point, and I, I've never really thought of that. But that's mm. the first thing I went to. I mean, I, mm. I went to the church chapel. That's the first thing I decided to do. Isn't that interesting? I never thought about it, and I sat so the whole afternoon. I, I, I've, you know. <sighs> James, at the moment in society and in the media right now, the current topic now is Christianity, conservative Christianity and conservative principles around Christianity. Mm. Some of the kindest people and some of the kindest teachings I've known are from Christians, Mm. the Christian faith. There'll often be a focus on the Brian Tamaki side of Christianity. Mm. But there's another side of Christianity, which means preferencing those who have less, mm. helping the poor, giving justice to people who deserve it. The Christian side of Christianity. <laughs> well said. I've never thought about it like that. The Christian side of Christianity. Of course, of course. But that is the case. It's, it's, it's treating people with respect. It's treating people with empathy and humanity. Mm. How hard is that? Dad gave me a lot of that, you know? He really did. He really did. It's, um, you can treat people with respect, first and foremost, mm. with empathy, you know? And, and to me, that is what Christianity is about. Not the sort of evangelical, tamaki-style Christianity. I don't see that as Christian or Christian-based, you know? Mm. Um, so when you ask me, I'm a man of faith, person of faith, I'd probably say on the surface, no, mm. you know? No, not at all, no. But I do have great respect for the principles of what I see uh, as, as the Christian faith. Yeah. Mm. Is there any form of guilt when you're on the sickness benefit? You know, the, no, community, well, I, the communities we grow up in, again, there is a stigma. There is a stigma. And uh, it's one of those experiences that form oneself. And I look back on these pretty <laughs> challenging times uh, and they've helped shape me, man. I mean, I do have an insight, which, uh, which I regard as pretty special, mm. of knowing what it was like living on the dole. Yeah. Not pretty. Yeah. Not pretty, man. Uh, it's very, very hard to live. 
It's, it's, it's tough. There's not so many and people in mainstream media who would have that no. particular... No, and also, too, back at the time, and I, and I do know that this is still an issue for mm. some, and it was beautifully captured in Ken Loach's new for my Daniel Blake, mm. but the way that Winstaff talked to you when you're a cust- customer is pretty patronising, very rude, quite aggressive, and highly belittling. Mm. And that was one of the reasons why, ironically, you know, it's very hard to look for work because often attitudes can be so belittling, mm. you feel like nothing. Mm. Mm. You feel you're not worth going out to work mm. because, because you're subtly told that you're not worth it, mm. you know? It's not, a, it's not an environment where it's, um, it's aspirational. It should be, you know? Mm. There should be people behind the desk who say, you know, we realise you're in the situation. I know you don't want to be here, or the vast majority don't want to be here for any particular length of time. Mm. How can we help make it happen that you can get some work, you know? So that was really, really tough. And if I, if I may say so, I mean, there were some people who really got me through. I mean, I couldn't even afford, I missed, I, I was penalised financially for a couple of meetings I didn't make, ironically, because I couldn't afford to get to those meetings because I didn't have enough taxi chits, you know, and I'm on mm. a walking stick. Mm. I mean, how does that work? Mm. But, but I bonded with a, can I have a bit of a shout out to a Dunedin guy? Absolutely. Who I bonded with, at, uh, who was working at uh, Wins for a while. And he was uh, the first person I made contact with who really humanized me. And his name is Hiliako Ihito. And... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Hiliaco. Hi, 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 cousin Hiliaco. Can't warn me. Can't warn me before you shout and, out other family members and, on my and, own podcast. And, and, and here he is, and he's my he's my case services manager. He goes, I'm, I'm going to be your case services manager, and um, he goes, I oh, just uh, I've known your case boss here. You you enjoy music, and I go, yes, I, yeah, yeah, I do. He goes, what's all? He goes, oh, I love I love funk. Prince, you're a Prince fan, <laughs> and. Um, <clears throat> And I and I goes, um, and, I, and I go, oh hello, what do you like? And I goes, Adija. Oh, I go, and he goes, that's pretty good. I go, hey, I'm an Adija fan too. Uh, and we really bonded over music. We're really bonded. So you've got this sort of case manager and me bonding in this sort of tough environment of wins over uh, Adija and Prince. But 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 he said, hey, there are um, there are entitlements that I can give you that I'm not supposed to tell you. Because mm. why are you not supposed to tell? I guess well, it's not, we're not supposed to say. Mm. Goes, well, that's wrong, isn't it? You mm. know, it mm. was a, the nineties was a very tough time for people on benefits. Mm. Uh, and recall Jenny Shipley, of course, and um, and under her watch, the entitlement um, dropped off a cliff for many people. You know, so it was a big deal. So to get this job at Radio One uh, and to get the job at BFM, it was a uh, it was the real start of my um, being back to Walisi, being back to who I was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very special. It's and here a, I am today in the shower, in the shower, eating, <laughs> eating cold chicken no less with James McKeese. Well, Holy shit! In the, in the grand tradition of um, two media people in Auckland in a bathroom, could you pass the coat? <laughs> Now, this is a treat. Very rarely, <laughs> oh, very rarely do I have, have, me, do I have coke. Me too. You know? Now, look, this is not an endorsement. Often, I'd, I'd, what I what, 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 what would do at home, yeah. bananas, was we'd wash cold chicken down with a nice cup of tea. Oh, that's, a cup that's of tea? A cup of tea. Oh, my gosh. A cup of tea. That's, uh, like, We've smashed this, haven't we? we look have at this. Asked, this is, we'll have to put a photo up. This Holy has been devastating. This is two mixed race kids. Who do not eat this or drink this no. anymore? Just getting an excuse to ravage our buckets. 
The bucket. The bucket. What a treat. Holy hell. All I need now is the raw fish. Oh, hey, the, oh. the raw fish and the Samoan raw fish. Mm. That is better than the Fijian raw fish. Oh, no, I have stop to. It. I got to say. You're I have to say it. Fight. You're yeah, yeah. Start a fight, but uh, it's true. It's, but it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> now, is there anything else that you would like to share in the shower? Is there anything else? While well, I have this unique opportunity in the shower with James McKeese, what, what else would I like to? I mean, I know a lot of it is... Uh, Willis Chapman, let me rephrase that. Uh, I've been thinking. Yeah, I've been thinking. I've been thinking. Wow, now you've really put me on the spot. <laughs> now I really am lost for words. <laughs> for any, any listeners unfamiliar, that was a Wallace Chapman catchphrase uh, from his show Bag Benches. Uh, I'm really lost for words now. I, 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 no, there, there's nothing, James, really, that, that I can really add to what I've what I've said. Suffice to say that your journey's your own journey, you know, make of it what you will. Uh, I certainly have. I mean, I've had, I've had some real challenges in my life. I'm not going to shy away from it. Some terrible, terrible moments where I look back and I just, just shudder. Um, I mean, being afflicted with a disease that still has no ending. I mean, even as I walk after this, you know, I go, okay, right, what's the next challenge? I've got to somehow get to my workplace, you know? Uh, that's, you know, a K and a half away, how am I going to get there? You know, that, mm. that type of thing. Um, I don't know in the future if I'm going to work, be in a wheelchair. I may well be, you know. I mean, the person, the one colleague I had with Gautier's disease in Dunedin, because it affects your body every different way, it was like a torture video, man. Mm. It was just like poor Neville, you know, his, mm. his, his bones dissolved at such a rate that all he had was just, Instead of two hips, he had two points, like a ballpoint pen, up into his flesh, you know? I mean, his, uh, I, I go in for treatment the next week, and what else is happening? His, his shoulder mm. is starting to sort of dissolve. And then the week later, his, his, his T2 and T7, two vertebrates in his spine, starting to crack. It was just terrible. So I don't know the future, you know? I don't know the prognosis for me long term. I don't know how... Mobile, my mobile is not going to be in the future, you know. Um, but all I can do is enjoy the now. I can enjoy the present. I can enjoy quarter with a friend. I can enjoy some cold KFC, you know. I can do what I do now. I can have a laugh and enjoy 2019. That's it. Preach, Wallace Chapman, preach. And it's great chicken. If you've ever tried cold chicken, our people, our stories, Tongue to Pacifica. <laughs> 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 kia ora, kia ora. Kia ora, bro. Eating fried chicken in the shower was produced by Charlie Bleakley and presented by me, James Nokise. The engineer is Blair Stagpool. The executive producers are Justin Gregory and Tim Watkin. Subscribe to our podcast however you just found this podcast. Or if you're listening on the radio, go to RNZ's podcast page and look for the chicken. And when you're rating us, only give us five stars. Remember, more stars, more chicken. If you want to share your safe space or comfort food, tweet me at James Nokise. If you need support, text 1737. Or for more resources on mental health, check the fried chicken webpage on the RNZ website. Fafdailava Matewa. Bye. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.